You're listening to one of the sermons preached from Shalom Baptist Chapel, recorded at one of our worship services. There is an uh, old Chinese proverb that says something like this. If you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. But if you want happiness for a lifetime, help or serve someone. Anyone knows of this uh, proverb? I'm sure you have heard this before. So, who wants happiness for a lifetime? Now you know what to do, right? But well, some of you might be skeptical about this, right? But did you know that there are scientifically proven benefits of serving others? Let me show you some of them. Here they are. It says serving others can help you live longer. Serving others may help you with chronic pain. Serving others lowers your blood pressure. Serving others decreases the risk of depression. Serving others keeps you physically and mentally active. What do you think about all this? Interesting and unbelievable. I know, right? Now, I don't know how true these are, but there is one thing I know for sure about serving others, especially if you are a Jesus follower. And that is this. Serving others impacts and grows our faith. Serving others somehow impacts and grows our faith. And that is what we will talk about today in the third installment of Growing Faith series. In this series, we are talking about five practical ways to grow our faith. We already talked about the first two in the past two weeks, right? And in case, if you have missed it, just go to our YouTube channel and you will find it there. All right, then. Uh, let us go to the third one today, and that is service. That's right, service. God uses our service to grow our faith. And for that, I'd like to share with you today in this format. The foundation of service or the foundation of serving others the challenge to service or to serving others, and then finally, the motivation for service or for serving others. Let us look at the first one, and that is the foundation. What is the foundation or what is the basis of serving others? In other words, you may ask, why should we serve, right? Why should I serve? Let me summarize it in uh, three points. First, because we are, are created to serve. We 
should serve because we are created, we are designed in such a way to serve. You know, Rick Warren, Rick Warren said it nicely. He said this, you were put on earth to make a contribution. You were put on this earth to make a contribution. That's right. We are here on earth, not just to consume, but to contribute. And that is very, um, this is very clear, uh, especially in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, right? This is what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus for what purpose? So that we can what? Do. That's right. We can do the works, do the good things God has planned for us long ago. So you see, we are created not just to consume, but to contribute, to do the good things that God created for us. And that is to serve him by serving others. Second, because we are saved to serve. We are saved not just to go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus. That's great. But we are not just saved for that. Otherwise, why are we still here on earth, right? We are not saved by service, but we are definitely saved for service. Look with me. This is what the scripture says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It is he, referring to God, who saved us and chose us for his what? Holy work. Not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan long before the world began. So you see, we are saved for his holy work. Now listen, listen to this. It is something like this. When we are saved, all right, when we are saved, we automatically become kingdoms, service agents for God. <laughs> That's right. So understand this carefully. Christianity is not just about eternal life with God, but it is about loving service to others. Why should we serve? What is the foundation? What is the basis for us to live a life of service unto others? Well, first, because we are created to serve. Second, because we are saved to serve. And finally, because we are what? Gifted. That's right. We are gifted to serve. The scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And so use them to what? Use them well to serve one another. So let me ask you, is there something you are really good at? I mean, some skills or some talents or abilities. You know, they don't come to you simply because you were, you know, you went for training or courses or because of your work experiences. No, they ultimately come or rather they are given to you to me as a gift by God. And we are given the responsibility to discover it, to nurture it, and to steward it for God's kingdom purpose on earth. And that is why the scripture tells us that we should use them well. Use them well for what? Not just to earn our living or to use it to our own advantages. There is nothing wrong in that, by the way. 
But the point here is that God gifted us with different abilities to benefit others according to his good purposes for all mankind. So these are the basis or the foundation as to why we, especially as Jesus followers, should serve others because we are created, we are saved, and we are gifted by God to serve others. Service is God's divine design, purpose, and responsibility given to all of us. Now, this leads us to the next point, and that is this. The challenge to service, the challenge to serving others. In other words, why some people do not serve? Do you know anyone who is a Christian, but they don't serve at all? Or why some people find it hard to live a life of service unto others. It's like they're all about just consuming. They're all about being served than to serve. And I realized that there are so many different reasons as to why some people do not serve or as to why they struggle to serve. So I have to be very honest and tell you that my list is far from being exhaustive. In fact, it is just a handful out of the many reasons that I'm going to share with you right now. But I want to say that these handful reasons that I'm about to share with you include at least three groups of people. First, those people who have never served before. Second, those who served before, but they may not be serving now. And third, those who might be struggling to continue serving others. All right, let's get started. Here is the first, and I would say the obvious reason. And that is this, lack of foundation, right? Lack of foundation or lack of the understanding of what Christianity is all about. You see, some people do not serve or struggle to serve because they don't know or are not fully convinced that God created, that God saved, that God gifted us to serve for the benefit of one another. Let me put it this way. When you become Christian, when you become a Christian, you become a full-time service agent agent in God's kingdom enterprise on earth. That's right. Listen to this carefully. When you become a Christian, you become a full-time. You become really, so full-time is not just for pastors like me or missionaries, you know, out there. But when we become a Christian, we all become full-time, full-time service agent in God's kingdom enterprise on earth. And so people who do not believe that, people who do not take time to internalize that and decide how his life or how her life would look like in a practical way, they will struggle or they will not serve at all. Second reason is consumerism. Consumerism. 
Some people do not serve or struggle to serve because it costs them something. As you, we all know, right? When you serve for the benefit of others, it will eventually cost you something. In other words, they don't want to see or they don't want to lose anything. They just want to get something out of everything. Listen, what's in for me? What do I get out of this? What do I lose if I serve or if I help? These are some questions. These questions are the determining factor as to whether they even want to talk about helping or serving others. They just want to consume, not contribute. They prefer to consume all the benefits of the service being rendered by the people who are serving them. Have you seen some people like that who just want to be served and not to serve? Third reason is carnality. Carnality, and by this I mean some Christians who are worldly in their thinking, dealing, and living. So these people are the ones whose attitude is something like this. I, I just don't want to serve. I don't want, I don't want to serve. And if you ask them the reason why, they may say, well, why do I have to have a reason for not wanting to serve? <laughs> it's my life, right? And who are you to ask me for a reason? I don't feel like it, so I don't serve. So that's about it. And hey, I don't care what you say or what you think about me. And so they don't serve because of such carnal attitude or posture in them. Here's the fourth reason why some people do not serve or they struggle to serve. And that is this because of unpleasant experiences or unmet expectations. I guess this is uh, specifically true for those who have some experience serving before, right? Or you may not have experience serving before. Maybe for you, for some of you, you have heard someone sharing their unpleasant experiences or unmet expectations while serving others. And that has become a hindrance, a challenge for you to serve. The final reason I have is this. Too busy. Too busy, too tired. Some people are really, really busy people. You know what I mean? I, I really mean they're really busy people. Really. For some of them, they are really busy for a season of time only, right? After some season of time, they are not that busy anymore. While there are others who are busy, they are really busy throughout their career life, you know? And some are too busy because of their job scope, while others are too busy because they put additional things into their lives. And as you know, right, too busy people are too tired people. And so at the end of the day, they have no time and they have no energy to serve. 
There are many other reasons as to why people do not serve or they struggle to serve. But I believe the five reasons above will suffice to show us that there are indeed challenges to live out life as service agents of God's kingdom enterprise on this earth. So now the question is, what, therefore, with these challenges that we have, what is our motivation, right? What is our motivation? Why do we want to serve one another? Why do we want to serve others? What is the motivation for our service? And I came across some articles uh, that mentioned some reasons or motivation for people to serve. In other words, why some people are motivated to serve. Let me quickly show you some of them. Here they are. They serve or they are motivated to serve because they want to grow in their relationship with Christ because it helps them discover their purpose and feel fulfilled in life because they want to use their skills and talents to grow the local church that they are attached to. They believe that they are there for a reason, not just to consume, but to contribute. And because out of their love and obedience to Jesus, and because they want to become like Jesus, why? Because Jesus, right? The scripture tells us, Jesus says, I, I, I come not to be served, but to serve. And so they serve. Jesus is their motivation because as Jesus follower, they want to be like Jesus and to be like Jesus. One of the best ways to be like Jesus is to serve others like he did. And then to experience the joy of impacting someone's life. <laughs> what do you think about, what do you think about all these reasons or these a reason for motivating us to serve. Inspiring, isn't it? I mean, it was for me, especially as I read the testimonies of some, some of these people. I mean, really, you should read them as well. Truly inspiring. But I want to draw your attention to a scripture passage for our motivation. Yes. Now, again, there are so many great scripture passages that can motivate us to serve. And so it was really hard for me to choose one for our consideration for today. But here's the passage that the Lord just impressed upon my heart to share with you for our motivation. Uh, and this passage is again, is a, is a common passage for all of us. And it is taken from Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. And it says this, he, referring to Christ, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Now, this verse is in the context of different gifts that God has given to all of us in the local church. It says, he, referring to Jesus, right, makes the whole body. What is this whole body? Well, it is referring to what? All the people in the local church. And so Paul, the writer, is basically saying that the different people in one local church is like different parts of one body. And Jesus is the one 
who puts all of them together so that they can grow together. Question is, how does that happen? And Paul tells us how in what he says next. Look at this. Paul says, as each part does its own special work. And each part here is referring to what? Different people. That's right. Because it's a body analogy of the members, the people in the church. So each part here is referring to different people in the church. Does its own special work. That's what Paul said. So what is this special work? Well, again, based on the context of the body analogy, this work, this special work is referring to the specific function of the body part. In other words, listen, this is what Paul is saying. When each member in the church functions based on the gifting or abilities that God has blessed them with. Uh, put it simply, put it simply this way. When each member in the local church serves with the gifting or with the abilities they have, what happens next? Watch this again. Paul says, it helps. Helps what? When each member in the local church serves with the gifting, with the abilities they have, it helps what? It helps the other parts to grow. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, means the whole church, everyone in the church becomes healthy and they grow and they become full of love. So who are these other parts that grows when you serve? Of course, like I said, they are the people. They are the other people. They are the brothers and sisters in our church, in the same local church. When you serve, in other words, when you do your part of service, what happens? They grow. And likewise, when they serve, which means when they do their parts of service, you grow. So let me ask you, do you know that there are also some negative implications of what Paul is saying here? Now, let me show you. Let me say, when you don't, here it is. The negative implications of what Paul is saying here is this. When you don't serve, all right, when you don't serve, you deprive others of their growth. <laughs> when you don't serve, you deprive others of their own growth. And when others are not growing, you can't expect them to serve, can you? You can't. And when they don't serve, they deprive you of your own growth as well. I know, for some of us, this may sound strange. But hey, that is how God designed the church life to be. That is why we are created, we are saved, and we are gifted to serve one another, to serve others. And Paul understood that. And therefore, in essence, he is saying, when you serve, you help others grow. And in return, you grow as well. Let me say that again. Paul is basically saying, when you serve, you help others grow. And in return, it's like a boomerang. You grow as well. 
And that is why, my brothers and sisters, I truly believe with all my heart that the greatest way to impact someone's life is to do something to benefit them. The greatest way, in my opinion, to impact someone's life is to do something to benefit them. You know how I know? <laughs> well, because I am a recipient of that truth. I have people in my life who made significant contributions through their service. They served me. They served my needs. For some of them, they served me through their affirming and encouraging words. <laughs> now, some of you may be thinking, huh? I thought serving is just doing some actions. Well, yeah. Saying something nice, saying some encouraging words and affirming words, that in itself is action. And that in itself is serving. You serve with your affirming, positive, encouraging, uplifting words. And for some of them, they serve me through their affirming and encouraging words, while others, through their resources, such as like their time, spending time with me, giving their time to me, their talents, their skills, their experiences, giving me advice, helping me, giving me suggestions, giving me feedback based on their experiences, money, their resources, giving me gifts, and so on. And everyone who served me made a difference in my life. But can I tell you, a handful of them, a handful of them who served me really, really made a great impact, really impacted and even changed my life. Through their thoughtful and sacrificial service, grow. They, I mean, their, their thoughtful and sacrificial service grew my faith because I personally experienced the grace, because I experienced that gracious hand of God through their loving service. At any point in your life, have you served someone and benefited them? Let me ask you, at any point in your life, have you done something good for someone? Did you bless someone through your service? I believe so, right? I believe so. So can you think of those moments when you blessed others through your service? Can you remember some of those moments? Let me give you a few seconds right now to think of those moments when you blessed others through your service. Can you remember some of those moments? You have it right now? So now let me ask you, keep that in mind, those moments that you bless someone through your service. Let me ask you, how did you feel? How did you feel when you saw that your loving service impacted their lives? Or how? I think someone's really thinking very hard, making some noises. 
Let me ask you, how did you feel when you did something good for someone? How did you feel? How was that feeling when you realized, when you saw, when you were told that you impacted someone's life through your service? Because you served in whatever capacity that is, through your words, through your action, through your gifts, through your times, whatever. How did you feel? Let me guess. Let me guess for you. Didn't you feel that sense of privilege to be able to help someone? Didn't you feel the honor to touch someone's life? Were you not humbled to see that through your service, you were God's channel of blessings for someone? That is whether in big or small ways, it doesn't matter. But the fact that you were able to help, you were able to serve, the fact that you could see that you were actually God's channel of blessings for someone. And what happened next? When you have those feelings, like, you know, when you, when you had that sense of privilege and honor, did you go and did you go and like, well done? I, 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 you know, it's like I am truly awesome for what I did. I think I'm really great. I am a savior, you know. I doubt so, right? In fact, here's what I believe happened next to you. Something happened here inside your heart, right? You felt a deep sense of unworthiness. It's like, wow. Because for some of us, we didn't intend to bless in a way that it turned out to be, right? We were just doing our part. I, I was just serving, right? You felt a deep sense of gratitude to God for using your service to bless and impact people around you. And my brothers and sisters, these kinds of experiences impact and grow your faith, don't they? They do, right? And that is what Paul is implying in this passage. That is what Paul is implying in this passage that we looked at. That, that if all of us, that if all of us begin to live out our lives as service agents of God's kingdom enterprise on earth, we have the potential to impact and grow each other's faith through our loving service to one another. The whole body, the whole body becomes healthy and begins to grow our faith in God and in our love for one another. So let me conclude by encouraging all of us to serve so that God can use our service to one another to impact and grow each other's faith. And let me encourage you by showing you two pictures. Ready for that? Here are the two pictures. The first one is the picture of Dead Sea. The second one is the Sea of Galilee. 
Sea of Galilee. Now, as you know, the Dead Sea is one of the saltiest bodies of water on earth, right? With, uh, they say, it's almost about what? 10 times more salt than any ordinary seawater. I mean, just think about that, right? And, and there is no life in this water. There is no life. And this is because water flows into the Dead Sea from where? You know, right? From River Jordan. So it flows from River Jordan into the Dead Sea, but it doesn't, the problem is it doesn't flow out anywhere else. The water remains, and so it is forced to evaporate there. And as a result, this leads to the salt and other minerals becoming more and more concentrated to the point that there is no life at all. Well, whereas the Sea of Galilee is totally the opposite of the Dead Sea, right? Interesting thing is that it also receives water from the same source as the Dead Sea, and that is River Jordan. Sea of Galilee receives water from the, from the River Jordan as well. But the Sea of Galilee is full of life as opposed to the Dead Sea. And this is because after receiving water from Jordan River, it flows out into other rivers. Sea of Galilee receives water from Jordan, but then it gives out to other rivers nearby. And that gives life to Sea of Galilee. Question, which one are you? Which one are you? The Dead Sea or the Sea of Galilee? In fact, a more important question will be this. Which one will you choose to become? Yeah, I think that's a more important question, right? Which one will you choose to become? Like the Dead Sea and Sea of Galilee, receiving water from the same source, we too, brothers and sisters, we too receive water. That is what? The gifts and abilities in our lives from the same source. God. So the question is not if God has given to us, rather, if we are giving out to others, right? And that will determine whether we are like the Dead Sea or the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you are more like the Dead Sea right now, because some of you, you know, as you hear this, uh, uh, analogy you 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 may feel like oh boy you know it's like yeah i i'm more like a i'm more like the dead sea right now well hey brothers sisters don't get discouraged you know why because you are not alone i encourage you therefore if you're feeling like you are like more like the dead sea then i encourage you to find some time this week to think and find ways to give out your water, your water service to others so that God can use that to impact and grow your faith as it impacts and grows the faith of other people as well.
And when you do that, when and you will and you begin to be full of life, you you your life will begin to look like the Sea of Galilee, full of life, vibrant. And then if if some of you are feeling like you know feeling. You, 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 you are more like the Sea of Galilee right now. You know, as you see like, oh yeah, you know, by God's grace, yes, I am more like the Sea of Galilee right now. So thank God for that, you know? And really, I also thank God for you. If you are like the Sea of Galilee, you receive and you give out. You receive the gifts and you give out in service to others, relentlessly, tirelessly, lovingly. I thank God for you as well. Because you know what? You are the reason our church is not dead, but still alive. God is using you and your loving and faithful service to keep this church going on. So imagine, right? Imagine if those of you who are more like the Dead Sea right now, imagine you step up and give out your service to others likewise. Our church can become, our church has the potential to become even more vibrant and beautiful, isn't it? Dear church, can I just say this? And especially for those of you who are feeling like the Dead Sea, we must really be thankful for those people who are actively and faithfully serving all these years, how they have been actively and faithfully serving you all these years, week in and week out. And I hope that their service will spur you on to serve likewise. Really. But... To those who are actively serving now, to those of you who may feel like you are like more like the Sea of Galilee, those who are actively serving right now, what is important for you is to make sure that you are constantly feeding yourself or you are constantly receiving the water from the source above. Because brothers, sisters, we cannot give out when we are not receiving enough. Why? Very simple, right? You will go empty. I will go empty. We will go empty. And when we go empty, that will not grow your faith. That will not grow anybody's faith. In fact, it will dry us up. So, if you are already serving now, if you are active, if you are like the Sea of Galilee, here is the thing I want you to do. Please. Brothers, sisters, keep filling yourself up because that's the only way to keep you serving, to keep you serving, to keep you vibrant and thereby grow your faith. So ask yourself this question constantly. Begin asking this question this week. If you haven't asked, ask this. How can I keep filling myself up? That's right. Ask yourself, how can I keep filling myself up? Because that will keep you serving, that will keep you vibrant, that will keep you growing your faith. And if you are not serving, for those of you who are feeling like the Dead Sea, 
then surf, my brothers and sisters. Don't be discouraged, but just step up and surf. If you are not serving, then surf. For you, ask yourself this question. How and where can I serve others? How and where can I serve others? And then just go and serve. God will use your service to impact and grow your faith as it impacts and grows the faith of people you serve. So, brothers and sisters, church, let us not just consume, but contribute with what God has gifted to each one of us so that our church can become more and more, more and more like the Sea of Galilee. Full of life, full of love, and full of faith. That's my prayer. And that's my hope for all of us. Amen.